Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Reaction slash live show edition of the Night Report podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Mike Broadbent. Joining me once again is my co-host, Richie Schneiderite. We are talking this epic comeback win by the Scarlet Knights. They ended up winning 69-59 to to beat Michigan for the first time in the Chrysler Center, the Chrysler Arena, whatever they call it. Um, <laughs> first time winning at Michigan for a basketball game since joining the Big Ten. Um, this is a game, I got to be honest, it's felt like more of the same for Rutgers. Um Rutgers was down by as much as 15 in the second half. I think with about 12 minutes left in the second half, they were down by 15 points or seven, maybe 17 minutes. They were down by uh, 15 points, mm-hmm. made an epic comeback, ended up winning by 10. One of the weirder games I can remember Rutgers basketball playing in a long, long time. What, uh, what do you think was the main reason Rutgers was able to make that, that crazy second half comeback? Um, Hold on one second. I'm sorry. I'm trying to do this whole entire thing, but, uh, I mean, the defense obviously stepped up big time. Um, <clears throat> Michigan's offense just disappeared, I guess, essentially. They yeah. were one shot nearly 50%, over 50%, I believe it was, in the first half. Second half, they couldn't hit a three for the life of them. They almost looked like Rutgers' offense in the first half. It was just a giant trade-up. <laughs> yeah. uh, and they, were, they had, like, what, one foul call the entire second half? Or, I'm, like I'm sorry, they had one free throw the entire second half. Um, rephrase that. Um it was just a tale. It's a tale of two halves. No, we've said that quite a bit. And we said it in the negative reference as in, it's been like the first half is Rutgers was good. Second half of Rutgers was bad this day. It was completely opposite. So um, just a big win for Rutgers, a big comeback. And it's a lot of, it's not just, sorry, I keep trying to do this whole editing thing. Uh, I can't do both at once. It's too hard. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, uh, Derek Simpson had a great offensive half. The defense stepped up. They played that one, three, one zone that played that did really well against that Michigan offense. And, um, Cliff kind of stepped up too. Jeremiah Williams stepped up. I mean, everyone, the starters really stepped up in that second half. You even saw Jermichael Davis, who didn't have as many points as you'd probably like, have a pretty damn good second half and be that kind of pesky, annoying that, that we've always seen him be in, in practice, especially on defense. So, yeah, this truly was like. It started so, so ugly. It looked exactly cut and paste of Rutgers the last probably five or six games where, mm-hmm. you know, you start off, you can't buy a bucket, you're kind of holding it together, but it's a 10-point uh, deficit in the first half within the first 10 minutes. And they're, they're keeping it close, they're keeping it close. They were able to get it down to just a five-point deficit right before the half. And then, you know, Michigan is able to hit that shot with, you know, less than a second left on the shot clock. Rutgers dribbles the ball down, turns it over, and and Michigan's able to score as time expires in the first half to go up nine. Um, Their their big, Terrace Reed, was just dominating us in the first half. I think in the the first four minutes of the game, he had four points, three rebounds, two of them offensive, uh, two blocks. Like, the guy was just dominating us. He ended up finishing with 12 points, five blocks, 15 rebounds. Um, That guy is really good, but... Rutgers found a way to kind of shut him down in the second half. And I do kind of want to separate it into like the first 75% of this game and the final 25%. Cause that's kind of where things 
really flipped. Um, Rutgers was not able to make any of their shots in the first 30 minutes of this game, and that shouldn't come as a surprise. Uh, Rutgers, I think, I was looking this up before the game. Rutgers, before this game, had eight players with 15-plus three-point attempts on the season. You want to guess how many of those guys shot above 30% from three? Not many. Not many Not at many. all. <laughs> One. Andre Hyatt was the only player with 15-plus attempts from three on Rutgers' team that made more than 30%. And 30% is like the bottom of what's acceptable if you're going to be a high-volume shooter. So we have basically all our guys shooting terribly from three. And it continued today. Rutgers went two of 13 from three on the game. They only have one first half three in the last three games combined. And that was uh, Derek Simpson hitting that three with, I think, like one minute and 50 seconds left in the first half of this game. Um, But I thought Jeremiah Williams brought immediate kind of alpha energy uh, to this game. You know, the first offensive possession for Rutgers, he drove to the the hoop, got the foul, made both free throws. Um, He was kind of taking shots that were wide open, um, even if he wasn't making them, but it kind of gave, I think, the rest of the guys the the confidence to just kind of go after it. I thought he was just kind of all over the place on defense. He was just 100% effort, you know, diving on the floor to try and, you know, create, uh, you know, steal opportunities. Um, I thought he did a really good job of of cutting down the, the passing lanes. And you saw that late in the game where Rutgers just kept producing turnover after turnover late in the game. I think it's partially because they kind of figured out the, the the true best starting five for this team late in the game, and I do think that bodes well moving forward. But what what are some of the other things early in the game that you saw that you were just kind of like, what the hell are we even doing? Because that was <laughs> that was seventy five percent of the game was what the hell are we doing? Um, I don't even know where to start. Gavin was taking a couple questionable shots. Um, they, I I know, like you said, we said it pre pod, but. Uh, talking now it you, you mentioned it that's like we told them to shoot and just keep shooting until you figure out your rhythm maybe not that much because you're taking yeah. some stupid stuff now um yeah, like that one first. that comes to mind immediately was it was out of an inbounds pass um they clearly were designing a play to get gavin the ball in the corner mm-hmm. um but he catches the ball and is falling away out of bounds and takes this fadeaway shoot uh fadeaway three from the corner and it doesn't even come close and it's it's one of those shots that like yeah, you should. The, the play is designed for you, but it doesn't mean to take it no matter what. You know what I mean? You you still mm-hmm. have to be smart about, you know, how good or bad of a shot opportunity it is, and you know he's still learning that. And I still want him to shoot, but like you said, that was not a good shot. Yeah, um, that's for starters. Uh, there's zero bench. They're, they're, they're like even when you switch one of the starters to the bench and Andre Hyatt, he still can't score. Um, yep. The first half he went 0-3. Gavin went 0 of 3. Noah just didn't even take a shot in his four minutes. Austin Williams went 0 of 2. That's that's 0 of 8. Jeez, my math is bad. Um, that's, that is 0 of 8 uh, just to go in the first half. And they, that's just eight, eight shots right there. And you're only taking 31, so your percentage is going to, you're going to take a dip. Um, I was intrigued to see Emmanuel Ogbo out there over uh, over Wolfolk. Um, and especially in the first half, you could tell like he definitely is a very raw player. Uh, we've been pretty adamant about that on the podcast, on the on the message boards. I think it's weird because people are asking us, and what I shouldn't say asking us, I saw it in the Discord during the game. People are asking if he's taken Wolfolk's spot. I don't know if I'd say that specifically. I think it's more so Pike just trying anything and everything to try to get this team to bounce back. 
Um, also, even like I know Mawad had a really good first half, but when he takes like an 18, 17 footer, it still makes me cringe because I'm like, oh my God, it's like the worst shot in basketball. What are you doing? Like, stop taking the 18 footers. We yep. said it uh, in our last pod. They took what, like six or seven last game against Penn State? And they missed six or seven of them. So it's like, it's just cringy to watch those mid range, not even a mid range. It's a deep mid range. It's a deep two. It's the worst shot in basketball percentage wise to take. And um, yeah, the first half was just a lot of the same for the most part that we've seen over the past couple weeks for Rutgers. It was just a struggling offense and eh, defense. I shouldn't even say eh because they still gave up what 50 something percent from the field of Michigan in the first half, 56%. Let them shoot 46% from three. Like, it was just a typical, like, what we've seen from Rutgers all season long in the first half and just a beautiful switch up in the second. Yeah, so Michigan shot <clears throat> 6 of 13 from 3, and that's slightly under 50% in the first half. Second half, they shot 1 of 11, tweeted out at halftime. Like, that just felt unsustainable mm-hmm. just given what Michigan has shown <laughs> this year. Um, but, yeah, Michigan was just kind of hitting everything. They're also a team that doesn't have the best shot selection, like, We've talked about some of the better offensive teams. Like Purdue, I think, took like four mid-range shots against us. Mm-hmm. Illinois took like six or something like that. It was in the single digits. Michigan took 18 mid-range shots against us. We went seven for 18. Rutgers, they went seven for gulp, 25 from the mid-range. They're still taking way too many of those. Wait. In the first half, they just, you know, there was opportunity after opportunity of shots at the rim. They weren't hitting. Um, at the rim, they went 18 for 29. But in the second half, they really did clean that up. But we were still smoking layups left and right. Um, I, I don't get it. I mean, I do it I in men's leagues. That's different. <laughs> when you're playing D1 basketball, it's you should be hitting them. And there's something to be said. Like, some of this is coaching. I don't – like, yeah. the, like the broadcast did a good job of saying this, but, like, Pike can't put the ball in the hoop for these guys making layups or not. Like, that, at some point, you can't blame the coach for a guy missing a wide-open layup. Like, mm-hmm. I, I I don't really know why they continue to miss these. It seems like it should kind of, you know, revert back to the mean at some point. But maybe mm-hmm. they're just not good at hitting these collectively as a team. Um, I as 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 impressive as Jeremiah Williams was this game for a, a guy that we'd heard really good things about. Like, you know, we'd been hearing basically all off season and best throughout guard. the season that he's the best player on the team. And I think he went out and played like the best player on the team tonight. Mm-hmm. Even if his stats don't really jump out at you like best player on the team kind of numbers when you look at, especially like a, a stat sheet that a guy like, you know, Derek Simpson had tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought Jeremiah Williams just really was a tone setter. And then you had a guy like Emmanuel Ogbol, who we also haven't seen. I thought he just looked totally outmatched tonight um, on both sides of the floor. He played eight minutes, yeah. but it was. <clears throat> I don't have the plus minus numbers in front of me, but I, I don't think he made like one positive. Minus four? Yeah. It, it just felt mm-hmm. like every time either he was getting the ball or, you know, he was going up for a rebound or the defender or he was defending a guy, it just seemed like mm-hmm. they were getting really good shot opportunities out there. He had one play where he just kind of like fell down trying to defend Terrace Reed. Maybe that's a little bit of rust, but I do not feel good about Emmanuel Ogbo at this point. Um, Rutgers as a team only had five bench points. They did switch up the starting lineup. So the starting lineup tonight was Jeremiah Williams, Derek Simpson, Michael Davis, Cliff O'Marori, and Moat Mag. Um, Andre Hyatt got reverted to the bench. He had four points. Emmanuel Ogbo had one. That was the only people who scored off the bench. Uh, I don't think they had a single bench point in the first half. 
Um, and I think that's part of the reason why we were able to have success in the second half because Pike kind of tightened up that lineup uh, and that rotation down to like six or seven guys, and that's all they played mm-hmm. for those, most of the second half. Um, is there anything else uh, through like the first 30 minutes that you noticed that you kind of want to hit on before we go to like the, the good part of this game? <laughs> um, not really. Uh, it's just it was a typical – Oh, we I, we didn't really mention. I, you, you you put it in the chat, and I thought it was actually going to happen at one point. Um, it, what was it? Three games in a row where they haven't hit a first half three. Yeah. Yep. And then this would have been four if they didn't get that Derek Simpson uh, three. That what was like a minute. Well, left, this this would have been three. This oh, this, this was been three. Okay. Yeah. 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 That's that's just the three point shooting is abysmal. It's I, I don't even know how you fix that. You just either have it or you don't. And yeah, this team just doesn't. But I've seen Andre Hyatt like nail like. 15 in a row. I've seen Gavin Griffiths hit like 20 plus in a row. Like it doesn't make sense to me. Um, they don't set up plays for Gavin and this is what you get on offense. You don't set up plays for anyone really. And this is what you get on offense. Yeah. I should say um, you get Moat mag taking 18 footers and doing his thing. And don't get me wrong. He balled out in the first half. I thought he had a great first half. I thought Jeremiah had a great first half. The rest, I was like, what the hell? And the second yeah, half hit. <laughs> if you look at the numbers for the first half, uh, I think, Mawat had, I, I tweeted it out. So Mawat hit four of six shots. Mm-hmm. The rest of the team in the first half shot four for 18. So That's Mawat shot right. 67%. The rest of the team shot 25% roughly. Um, yeah, that's not yeah, their average. Though. Actually, less than that. So they shot about like 22%. <clears throat> Jeez, you just, that's... you got to be better than that. And they found a way to get to be better than that in the second half. Uh, so let's let's talk the positives now because we, we kind of, you know, this this was a huge win. So let's no, let's man. kind of remember that as well. Um, Rutgers went on in the final twelve minutes and forty three seconds. They went on a thirty to eight run. Now, this just felt like a totally different team in those last twelve minutes, and I yeah. think it's in large part because they just kind of like figured out like what it's like to play with Jeremiah in this yeah, lineup. <laughs> and he's good. They a lot of those passing lanes late in the game that might have been open with Noah Fernandes and uh, Michael Davis out there mm-hmm. were closed off because you had two really lengthy wings out there in Jeremiah Williams and in Watt Mag. And they just kind of closed off and they were able to create so many points off of turnovers because they went immediately from creating the turnover into transition, which is kind of what we thought would happen all season. But yeah. We haven't really seen it for whatever reason. But this last 12 minutes of this game showed the potential of this team throughout the season where you're creating turnovers with suffocating defense and then you're immediately throwing the ball down the court and getting opportunities to score. And for whatever reason, they were making their layups in the sec- last 12 minutes. Like, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but mm-hmm. they were finishing at the rim at a pretty high clip, which they haven't really done all year. So you just got to hope that maybe this is the the magic elixir to get this team pointed in the right direction. I think the, I, the, the dreams of a tournament bid are kind of over unless you win the oh, Big yeah, Ten no. tournament it's, at this point. I'll tell you, no, but it's out. <laughs> it, it's out. I do still think that they have a good shot at the NIT, though. If they finish the rest of the season above 500 i think it's there for the taking so here's where it gets weird like i shouldn't even say it gets weird it's just it's honestly truthful uh they're going into this game ranked as the worst team in the big 10 according to the net and i believe ken palm as well Mm -hmm. um this was what a quad 
two game cause only because it was away, which is fine. It's just going to be this is not a good Michigan team whatsoever. No. They are nope. they are bad, and it took a very significant second half comeback. And I don't want to sound like Mister Negative. I'm not going to sh- shit on a win or anything like that. But kind of got to temper expectations. I feel like I feel like the NIT is possible. It is possible. Yeah. Um, you do have Michigan again on the schedule at home. Huge. Ohio State kind of stinks. Minnesota, Northwest. Minnesota just beat Northwestern or did they lose? I forget. I wasn't watching. Minnesota beat obviously. Northwestern today. Yeah. I, so the Big Ten is just weird. They're, it's not a good league this year. There's probably six teams. No, this make is, yeah, this is probably a six-bid league this year. And I think only two of them even have a shot of making it to the second round. And I don't even know if Purdue has a shot of making it to the second round because those 16 seeds are, are – Pesky now because it went from never upsetting them to now potentially upsetting them. But uh, I just don't know if between Wisconsin, Northwestern, Purdue again, Nebraska, Wisconsin again, Ohio State's weird too because um, they, they technically did just uh, just lose to them away. But a home game could be different. It's going to be close. It's going to be very close, I think, when it comes all said and done. Um, I think they have a shot at the NIT, but this was a bad Michigan team. They did get the win, and it's a good win. It's a great comeback, and you got some momentum going into uh, Tuesday's matchup down in uh, Xfinity Center in, in College Park. But uh, you got to snag that one. You got to win the games you're supposed to win, and you can get away with a couple losses, but you can't get away with a lot of them. So it's kind of make or break time if you want to make that NIT. And I think an NIT obviously would be huge. It would help them, help them development wise, especially the young guys. Get them another game, maybe two or three even. I don't think they win the NIT personally, but yeah, yeah. who knows? You know, you can't uh, can't ever count them out, I guess. Yeah, no, I, I mean, just getting some postseason experience would be big for for this team moving forward because yeah, I do think we're going to see a pretty huge amount of turnover next year for relative uh, turnover for Pike's uh, you know standard regular amount anyway. Um, I think it's so important that. Jeremiah Williams, like Jeremy, we don't win this game without Jeremiah Williams, in my opinion. Hundred percent. And this this kind of changes the trajectory of the season because, you know, Rutgers was in a bit of a free fall. You know that that loss against Penn State was just one of those all time bad performances for Rutgers. Yeah, they just they look totally lifeless. Penn State, obviously, they had another big win today at Assembly Hall. They beat Indiana by double digits on the road. So Penn State, Penn State's a good. They're not like a tournament team, but they're a good team. They're a team that puts up a fight. So Rutgers shouldn't feel like they just lost to you know a, a quad four team at home. But they really needed something to kind of spark them to get this season turned around, so you can at least like go out on a positive note or a relative mm-hmm. positive note. Yeah. So winning no. that injunction, that temporary uh, restraining <clears throat> order to get Jeremiah Williams eligible immediately for this game was huge because. You know, if he if he sits out till the 18th, which was I think what he was originally supposed to, Rutgers probably loses mm-hmm. the next few games, and then the season truly is over. Where it's just uh, yeah. you're playing for nothing at that point. Rutgers still has something to play for with you know a, 10 games left in its season around maybe mm-hmm. a, yeah so 10 games left. So there's still something to play for now because you know you're playing for seeding in the, the Big Ten tournament. You're trying to get into the Big Ten tournament because I think currently they're out if the tournament started today. Um, well, that was the old rules. That's not for this year. I don't that's think. right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Um, or that's for this it, year, I should say. It's not for or whatever. You know what I mean? It's not next year's the new rules. Yeah. Point being is they actually feel like they're alive again. Like there's something 
that positive can come out of the season. Whereas you lose today, you probably just pack it in or at least maybe you don't pack it in, but the team mm-hmm. basically packs it in. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I, but, I mean, they, they have a, they have a shot to make some noise. Um, I think Jeremiah Williams definitely helps this team. There's no question about it. He's the best guard out there. And I think you saw it today. The guy hasn't played since February, 2022. He was clearly yeah. tired yeah. and, it goes to show you how much the staff knows how good he is for the sole fact that this man was gassed, took a 10-second <laughs> break, yeah. and they're like, oh, TV timeout. Oh, dude, go back in. Go in. Go back in. Do it again. Gets gassed again, falls on the on the court, and the, the and uh, not, I shouldn't say an and one because he missed the layup, but he should have hit that. I'm, I'm a little disappointed. Yeah, yeah. That, that was, that was really a close. clear lane. Like, he should have had that. But regardless, misses the layup, falls on the ground, takes the free throws, gets subbed out, I'm shit you not. 15 seconds, next dead ball. He's back in again. And I'm like, dude, yeah. this man is gassed. Like, what are we doing? Mm-hmm. Like, just throwing him out there again. Like, you don't trust your guards that much? <laughs> I guess so. And it makes sense because they've struggled all year long. So this is just uh, – it goes to show you Jeremiah Williams is that good of a player. And then you show him on the defensive end as well. He doesn't – I want don't want to compare him to Caleb McConnell because he's not that good defensively, but he's pretty damn good. And he's not, like, stuffing the stat sheet – and he's, he's had like early Caleb McConnell games where, or this was like an early Caleb McConnell game where you're not getting crazy amount of stats. You're not doing steals. You're not getting blocks, but you see him out there and whether he's just on ball defending, boxing someone out, he does all the nitty gritty stuff that you need from that wing position. And I don't see a reason why this is not a certified starter going forward. If not your best player going forward. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm looking at the stats now. The bench shooting. So the bench shot two for 15, which is 13%. Obviously not good. But mm-hmm. the team overall shot 40%. So if you look at just the starters numbers, Rutgers starters shot almost 50% from the field today. They shot, uh, they were 25 of 52. <laughs> so they shot 48%, yeah. which has to be the highest on the season for the for the starting lineup, um, in, okay. at least against high major opponents. Um did you notice how much easier those 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 buckets looked in the second half, in the late second half especially, where it was just kind of like, I don't know if they just decided not to rush it anymore or if they just were able to like create this offensive symmetry mm-hmm. where they're getting that extra pass. They just like, they had a lot of easy looks late in the game. And they, they, were, they were doing really well with that high pick and roll with Derek Simpson leading it. Like, yeah. I don't know why it seems <clears throat> like it's kind of like a desert mirage where like, a few games a season that just opens up the Rutgers offense to look competent mm-hmm. and then it goes away. Like last year, I, yeah. I think immediately to the Penn state game where, you know, we're down huge and then it's just point that Derek and he's just like yeah. every single play goes through him. And it seems like that's the only way he can be successful on this team. If, if he is very ball dominant, he's good. But if he's just kind of playing as a secondary role, I don't know why, but he just he, maybe he can't get into the rhythm of the game. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just he doesn't feel confident because he's not getting the ball. But when he's just playing like catch and shoot, he is <laughs> terrible. But when he is like creating, kicking, slashing, when he's able to like yeah. you know use that high pick and roll to get a you know they're, they're playing drop, drop coverage to <clears> you know mm-hmm. uh, get the ball to, or to take that mid range shot. I, I don't know why when he has the ball in his hands for you know more than half a possession it seems like things go well but when he doesn't it doesn't it just doesn't make a ton of sense no he's he's an interesting player um i think you see glimpses like you said of how good he could be 
but he's it, it goes back to what we said on our previous podcast. He might be the most inconsistent player on the team. You see great Derek, bad Derek. You saw both today, actually. Yep. Um, and you've seen it all season long. You see glimpses where he hits that half court shot at uh, at the buzzer at halftime. Proceeds to finish the game what three of thirteen or something like that. Um, it's it's hit or miss. Like it's it's just hard to tell which Derek you're going to get, and it, it, not just per game. We're talking per half. Um, because going into this game, he was what one of the worst effective field goal percentages in college basketball since 2008. Yep. Um, I don't know if that's gonna, yeah, you're right. good. Yeah, I'm good. Okay, cool. Yeah. Dog just ran in the computer. So that happens. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just insane. Like, I, I don't, I don't know what Derek I'm going to get every single night of the week and it is what it is. Yeah, no, it's, you know, maybe, maybe we finally got that puzzle piece figured out. I know that something we had talked about is like, you know, Jeremiah hasn't been playing with this team, but he's been practicing. And when you have a guy who in practice is so clearly the leader or so clearly like the best player on the team and the guy that you kind of like rely on for that energy, and then you go to a game and you don't have him, like it creates this kind of like tension where it's like, you don't have what you're used to because the majority of the time these guys are on the, the court together, it's in practice. So if you think like if 90% of the time you're playing with, uh, you know, your teammates, it's, you know, not in games. Then when you get to a game and that guy's not there, it's really tough to kind of overcome that and kind of figure that situation out. Now that he's finally able to be on the court, I feel like maybe the the cohesion's there. Maybe the, the jigsaw puzzle finally has that corner piece that we've been missing from the box. I don't know. I, I just feel like there is something there now that might've been missing that we kind of had, like, it was like on the tip of our tongue. It's like, I don't know exactly what this recipe is missing, but it's missing something. And it turns out maybe it's just Jeremiah Williams. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure what it's interesting because like he didn't practice with, the, I mean, he practiced with the team, but he wasn't practicing with the starters clearly. Cause you it's, it's season. Like you're in mid season. You don't, you yeah. can't afford to have a non-starter with the starters. Like, so I think the more he gets out there, I'm sure this past week when when they kind of figured out they were going to file this junction and all that, they probably started shifting him towards the starters and saying yep. like, hey, like we're we're going to figure this out. We're going to get you eligible for Saturday. Like, all right, go out there, go play with Derek, go go run with the one the ones. Yeah, Andre, you go to the twos. And Andre's probably like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I think the more he plays with these guys, the more he'll get comfortable. And this is just game one. Like, he hasn't played since February 2022. That's two yeah. years of not playing yeah. an organized basketball game. Um, and plus, like we said with Mawat, like when Mawat came back, you, you kind of get a little nervous on your first day back, especially from a guy yep. who I believe he tore his Achilles, correct? Yep, he popped his Achilles. Yeah, so that's it's got to be a little nerve-wracking the first time you step back on the court and you're like, oh, shit, here we go again. Yeah. Like, yep. Yeah, so – and, uh, yeah, I mean, that's it. Like, he's, he's going to be a really good player and – uh, I'm very excited to see what they can do now with him because not only is he just playing defense, he's also rebounding, which is beautiful. Yes. Yep. A guy that can rebound. <laughs> yeah, Rutgers was plus eight on the the, the rebounding today. Uh, they had 40 rebounds, Michigan had 32. Mm -hmm. um, four of the five starters were in double-digit scoring. Yeah. Look at the free throws. Um, they shot 13 to 17. You know, we've really struggled with free throws the last you know handful of games. Finally Years. got that back figured out. I mean, if this team can 
have a floor of like 30% shooting from three, we're a dangerous team. But until you can get there, it's just too easy to guard Rutgers right now because you just give you can condense the the, the half court so much by just letting these guys shoot mm-hmm. that especially when you're playing with a small lineup, like you, you don't respect them shooting. And also you don't really need to give them that much space because, you know, you can in the big 10, especially you can, you know, condense that so much by just kind of having a six, eight wing kind of go out to defend yeah. a Jim Michael Davis or a Noah Fernandes late in, you know, the shot attempt and still get, mm-hmm. you know, uh, some good pressure on the guy. So it's, I don't know. I think if we, I think the last missing piece of this team, honestly, is getting Gavin hundred uh, percent right. Like if we could even yeah. start Gavin out, I know we've said this time and time again, as just like how we used Oscar last year as the guy who just kind of hangs in the corner and Shit cuts there. like, cause he, he, he could just be so good because he's also an underrated slasher. Mm-hmm. Like he does get, I know he had a, like a couple of guys, a couple of shots get blocked today but he gets to the rim with a lot more ease than you'd expect for a guy who looks like Gavin Griffiths. Yeah. Um, You've seen in his highlight tape. Yep. High school highlight tape, I should say. Yep. So I'm positive going into this last 10 games that Rutgers can kind of make something out of the season. Like maybe, you know, you were talking about what's left on the schedule. Maybe you get, maybe you finish above 500 on the rest of the schedule. They still have to play Purdue. Still have to play wisconsin mm-hmm. twice you still got to play nebraska um but you do have some easier games you get maryland like you said you get michigan you get maryland twice you get michigan you get That's minnesota huge. you get ohio state you get northwestern there are winnable games on there um but just to kind of have some some juice the second you know the last third of the season i think will do wonders leading into the, the following season because i do think Unfortunately, and it's partially, you know, us talking about it and a lot of media members talking about it. Like mm-hmm. we talked a lot about next season, even before this season even started. That has Nothing to, ahead. you know, leak into the players' minds. It's kind of like, you know, with a forgotten season in a lot of ways. And yeah, you know, that that happens. Like you're getting potentially number two top two five NBA three. players on your team. Right. Yeah, number yeah. two and three players in the country. Can't you're gonna fun. get excited about it. You're gonna talk about it, especially you yeah. know when you got nothing else to talk about in the off season. That's gonna happen. And I do think maybe, you know, Pike talks a lot about you know wanting these guys to get rid of their phones and being too plugged in. Like, you know, you start listening to that kind of stuff, and maybe it, you know the fire isn't there. Whereas in previous seasons, everything was about that season. You know, we've been in the NCAA hunt for five straight years, and this year was the first one where it was kind of like, well. We both thought that they were potentially a tournament team, but yeah, they did lose a lot this offseason. Maybe if they, they had Cam Spencer, who's balling out still, maybe if they had yeah. Paul, given his familiarity with Pike's system, and he, he got a guy like uh, Benadongo who came in and would mm-hmm. be an impact player, maybe you do make the tournament this year. But without those three guys, it was tough sledding, especially trying to – cobble together guys in the portal in june and july and august like that is it's picked over for a reason yeah i'm looking at this now like if you want to make this nit how many wins do you think you have to get because you're at 11 11 right now i think you probably need this 10 left yeah you probably need 
16 or 17 wins. So you got to go five and five, six and four the rest of the year. And I mean, I'm looking at it like you said: Maryland, Minnesota, Maryland, Michigan, Ohio State. You probably have to win those five. At least win those five, and then go go sneak one from either Northwestern or Nebraska. I don't think you're going to sneak one yeah. against Wisconsin. And Purdue's Purdue at the end of the day. I know they fought them tough at home. Away is a totally different atmosphere. Mackey Arena's hell on earth. Yeah. And we did win there last year. But yeah, I know. It's... And Pike does play Purdue well historically, but different team. You know, they have so much more firepower than us this year. <clears throat> we are very outmatched. And, you know, we made it an ugly game against them mm-hmm. at home. You know, even with Jeremiah Williams back, I don't see us even coming close to beating them. They have way too yeah. much firepower. Yeah, no, they're they're uh, something else. I mean, we'll see. I mean, the rack is a different atmosphere too. And the nice thing is, you get Wisconsin there, you get Northwestern there, Maryland and Michigan. You, you gotta you gotta snag those two, hundred percent. You might you probably have to sweep Maryland, um, and you get Ohio State to end the season there. Um, I think the last couple of years they've ended this season away, so it's a nice little tidbit. But uh, yeah, this has I mean, to be the toughest schedule in the Big Ten too, if because every year you only get. You know, each team plays a certain amount of teams twice. I don't know how many it is. I think it's four or five you play twice, right? Yeah, it is uh, number 20, according to the net. 20th. Uh, but I think it might be schedule. the strongest the strongest conference schedule in the Big Ten. Oh, you play I, Purdue I, twice. I, yeah. You play Wisconsin twice, and you play Illinois twice. They're the three best teams in the Big Ten, and you play them all twice. I don't know how many other teams mm-hmm. can say that. Yeah. it's It is the Big Ten. That's yep. uh, Pykele says it all the time. It's the toughest conference in America, um, yep. and I don't think this year's really any different. I mean, they're definitely not the best. They're not top. I don't even know if they're top three anymore this year, at least. Um, but they're top still a top conferences. conference. Yeah, but when you have to face yeah, the can... top, the top tier of the conference, you're kind of screwed regardless. Yeah, the Big Twelve is definitely better. I'd say the Big East is better this year, um, at least in terms of the tournament teams that'll make it. Um, SEC's got some dogs this year. SEC is probably better. Um, that Mississippi State team, yeah, they're pretty pretty good. <laughs> yeah, the ACC is kind of a two bid league. Not not that they'll only have two teams make it, but the, you know two, it's just basically yeah. UNC and Duke. You know? Yep, the rest are kind of mm-hmm. ass, and that's uh, that's kind of how it is in football. Just swap out the top two teams. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's um, crazy. I'm looking now. There's not a not the prettiest bracket this year. It's very it's up for grabs. Anyone can yep. grab it this year. It's interesting. Um, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say, uh, I know people are still talking about the NCAA tournament. I'm looking at it right now. There's no shot. <laughs> like, no, no, no. Yeah, I don't think anybody's uh, talking about it. I mean, if you obviously have to win out of it, tap probably. But even if you win out, I don't know if you can still make it. Like, 21. I mean, if you, in yeah, the, if you win the, out, the hypothetical play, scenario, yeah. you do win out, you win, you make it because you win the Big Ten tournament. I think oh that yes, that, yes. yeah 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 I'm not counting that part but yeah so I'm saying if you win out the regular season you're still what an ugly if they win out the regular record. season they make it because they're 21 and 10 at that point yeah one, there's two, no way you're three, not four. okay it's four quad one games so yeah so you'd have four and eight or yeah. five and eight records yeah but still that's not happening regardless well you never know maybe a uh, Seton Hall or not Seton Hall's quad one who was one that was close to sw- slipping. Got to hope Nebraska wins a couple more games so they can kind of push into that quad yeah. one area. Yeah. Um, That's it, really. The rest are all. Eesh. Yeah. Watch losses, bro. All 
All right. Is there anything else you wanted to hit on? Uh, any recruiting news? <clears throat> any anything? Uh, Rutgers lacrosse said they won their season ooh, opener today. Ooh, a little sketchy. Yeah, Four, yeah. Fourteen twelve um, to Lehigh. Fourteen twelve. They had an early injury to one of their better players. Um, I don't know what happened there, but they ended up winning fourteen twelve. Rutgers is ranked, I believe, in the top fifteen entering preseason. Could be wrong. Um, I believe he was injured in the Nova scrimmage last weekend. As well as today. Uh, no, no, different person got injured in the Villanova scrimmage, okay. and then someone else got injured today. So now they yep. have two guys, I believe. Down. I could be wrong yep. on that, though. I'd have to ask Camden, who's our lacrosse guy, our new lacrosse guy. Ooh. Yeah. Um, I know we had a bunch of visitors for the Penn State game. You hearing anything? Uh, on the recruiting side that a Rutgers fan should be aware of. Uh, it's relatively quiet right now. Um, as you can tell by lack of podcast um in terms of recruiting <laughs> but uh no they had hosted a couple of visitors a lot of guys are pretty hyped uh submitted a new future cast um people continue to spell my name wrong on the board it's driving me nuts um i just saw it right now uh i hate how people put a t in richie but whatever um anyway besides the point um no nothing super new uh, we did put a new future cast for nick dorvillis out of uh union high school just dropped a top five. I believe we have an article on that somewhere. Um, yeah, I mean, um, nothing super serious in terms of recruiting. That's probably the only name I'm keeping close eye on. Rowan Byrne was there today. That was that's a little tidbit. He was, at the, he was at Michigan for a yes. visit, yeah, but yeah. he got to watch Rutgers beat Michigan. So you never yeah, know. It's too bad he's not a, a Rutgers basketball recruit. Yeah, I know. He uh, he's big enough. He's like six six, six seven, something like that. Um. He was at Rutgers on Thursday. I think it was actually better that he canceled his visit on Wednesday due to travel and made it to Thursday. So those of you saying like Greg's a genius, like I, I don't doubt Greg's a genius, but that's not the reason. Like Greg didn't yeah, cancel yeah, it because yeah. of the game. He canceled it because of travel things, uh, travel arrangements. But <clears throat> him going Thursday, he got a chance to spend time with Scott Malone. He told me he spent a lot of time with Holland Pierce. Um, so it's always good for, to have those guys spend players actually spend time with recruits. Whereas if you go to yep. the game on Wednesday, you see the players just walk out, and it's like, <laughs> yikes. Yep. Um, that happened a couple too too many times recently. I feel like, but um, beating a dead horse there. Um, other than that, I think we've been pretty adamant. We we saw exactly what we said we were going to see from Jeremiah Williams. Um, great player, high IQ player, strong finisher at the rim, um, good defender, lengthy wing. It's crazy to me that people still didn't think he was going to play today. Um, that's just yeah. it's mind-boggling. Like, yeah, because we were hearing rumblings on Wednesday that he might actually play. It turns out, yeah, yeah, it turns out that they had just filed the. Uh, so the NCAA for, to go behind the curtain a little bit, the NCAA on Wednesday finally announced his suspension. Mm-hmm. That it, it it was started. It's it had started uh, as of. Uh, the 13th, which is when the West Virginia lawsuit uh, happened. So the 15 games they were claiming would start then, which would put him eligible by February 18th. Um, he ended up filing what's called Junction. a temporary restraining order, oh, yeah. which basically brings it to a judge to decide whether or not uh, he should be able to be eligible in the interim while the NCAA had a chance to respond. So the judge uh, agreed. Fought, uh, sided with with Williams and said he should be able to play immediately until things are resolved. And most of the time, the NCAA just kind of takes the L there. 
And so that's what they did. So he is now eligible for the rest of the season. Uh, he has two years of eligibility after this year, correct? Correct. Because he played two years at Temple. He transferred. He got... What's that? One didn't count. Yeah, one doesn't count because yep. COVID. So he got hurt in the offseason, which is why he didn't play last year. And mm-hmm. then he transferred and uh, is waiting on the NCAA to make a decision this year. So he had three years mm-hmm. of eligibility. So whether or not he played it all this year, he was still losing the year of eligibility, which is why you play him regardless because <laughs> there's no point in sitting him. There's literally no point. Like you maybe can figure out a way to do the medical red shirt if you sit him the whole year, but he wants to play. You know, you, mm-hmm. guys don't want to be in college for seven years because all these guys want to play in the NBA at some point. So the NBA isn't drafting guys who are 25 years old and, you know, have injury histories. You want to play as much as you possibly can. And we need him to play as much as he possibly can for next year. Everything at this point should be just kind of catered towards like as much cohesion and good vibes as you possibly can as a team mm-hmm. uh, leading into next year, because that is kind of where rubber meets the road for, for Rutgers basketball. Yeah. It's a good win, great win, I should say. Um, but again, <clears throat> temper expectations a bit. This is a shitty, shitty, shitty Michigan team, but it's a good win. First win in the Chrysler yep. Center. It's not easy to win there. It's not easy to win anywhere on the road in the Big Ten. But good win, good comeback, good little run to end the game. Jeremiah Williams showed some flashes. Derek Simpson, if you can get him going like that, phenomenal. Um, yep. And it honestly opens up things for Quiff, as we saw as well. Yeah, yep. So beautiful game. Um, my only nitpick, I guess, would be I'm a little weirded out by the way they played Austin Williams or lack of playing Austin Williams because I thought he was solid yeah. over those past couple games. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm a little surprised by that too. You only played, I think, three minutes. Um, yeah, very weird. I didn't understand that at all. But... Um, another thing, Rutgers might just be like the Grim Reaper for Michigan coaches. Yeah, like oh, you remember yeah. in 2014, the, the Michigan football uh, loss ended up ending oh, or effectively ending oh, yeah, uh, Brady Hoke's uh, regime there. Um, this might be the straw that breaks the camel's back for Juwan Howard's tenure at Michigan. Mm-hmm. Uh, they probably would have let go of Jim Harbaugh after 2020 if Rutgers beat them in triple That's overtime. Right, yeah, so yeah. Um, which would have been a huge mistake, obviously. So the the, the uh, the swinging door situation, or whatever it's called, uh, given that game. It all came down to that Valentino Ambrosio field goal kick, too, in triple yeah. overtime from 45 yards. Nice um, field goal percentage in two-lane history. I mean, I'm happy for him. I'm happy good. that he went and found success elsewhere. I, yeah, I never, good kid. Even for a guy like Cam Spencer, I never wish ill upon a guy who played at Rutgers, Be even if they did kind of – Love it. I, I was Love it. so – I still root for the guy. I was yeah. watching the uh, the Seton Hall or not the Seton Hall, the St. St. John's uh, UConn game earlier today. <laughs> I just, it. when a guy like that is on your team, you just <laughs> love watching it so much. But when you're playing him, it's just so hard not to hate the guy. And if you look at, you know, UConn fans on Twitter and on, on boards, they love Cam Spencer. Mm-hmm. Like he is probably the most loved UConn athlete of 2024. Uh, 2023, 2024. You, you can't say for last year, but yeah, because obviously they won a title. Uh, but everybody at UConn seems to love the guy. So yeah. So I mean, Juwan Howard, you lost. You lost. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? oh, oh, it's Jover. Um, it's Jover. It's Jover. Jo- 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 I don't know. 
Yeah, I don't um, see any uh, questions in the chat, so I'm gonna call this a night. I appreciate everybody for hopping in. Um, we'll put this in the podcast feed uh, for later today. But for me and Richie, there's, there's nothing else you wanted to hit on, right? No, 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 no. I'm All I'm right. done. I, I'm gonna go take a. Actually, I'm gonna go watch this Georgia the ending of this Georgia Tech North Carolina State game. So. Got to see what uh what happens there. It's an interesting one. They're down ten right now. Um, I like to watch a little Bait and Dongo. You know, not doing so hot. Yeah, right it's now, but... it's tough. It's tough watching him not uh not be here. Yeah, kicking balls. But sorry to end it on that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's all right. We got to win tonight. It's a big day for Rutgers. One first opening day win for the Cross. Big comeback Ooh, win for Rutgers basketball. basketball. Women's basketball won its first game. Losing and... streak snapped. <laughs> mm-hmm. Win at Nebraska. Yeah. It's a great day to be a Rutgers fan, and I hope everybody else has a great night. But for me and Richie, this has been another edition of. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.